0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It. Today, I get to talk to Nancy Hildebrandt about building out a good support system. She was working with Beaver Builder at the time of this interview, and we talked about the importance of creating good documentation, listening to your customers, and so much more related to support. We have so much that we even have a bonus episode. We'll get into all of that and more, but first, a word from our sponsors. This season of How I Built It is brought to you by two fantastic sponsors. The first is Liquid Web. If you're running a membership site, an online course, or even a real estate site on WordPress, you've likely already discovered many hosts that have optimized their platforms for a logged out experience, where they cache everything. Sites on their hardware are great for your sales and landing pages, but struggle when your users start logging in. At that point, your site is as slow as if you were on $3 hosting. Liquidweb built their managed WordPress platform optimized for sites that want speed and performance, regardless of whether a customer is logged in or logged out. Trust me on this, I've tried it out and it's fast. Seriously fast. Now, with their single site plan, Liquid Web is a no-brainer for anyone whose site is actually part of their business and not just a site promoting their business. Check out the rest of the features on their platform by visiting them at buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. It's also brought to you by Jilt. Jilt is the easiest way to recover abandoned shopping carts on WooCommerce, Easy Digital Downloads, and Shopify. Your e-commerce clients could be leaving literally thousands of dollars on the table. And here's why. 70% of all shopping carts are abandoned prior to checkout. Yes, you heard that right. 70% of shoppers never make it to checkout. And that's why you need to introduce your clients to Jilt. Jilt uses proven recovery tactics to rescue that lost revenue. It's an easy win that lets you boost your client's revenue by as much as 15% and it only takes 15 minutes of your time to set up. Jilt fully integrates with WooCommerce, EDD, and Shopify, and you can completely customize the recovery emails that Jilt sends to match your client's branding using its powerful drag-and-drop editor, or by digging into the HTML and CSS. Even better, Jilt's fair pricing means your clients pay only for the customers they actually engage, and you get to earn a cut of that through Jilt's partner program. Whether you have clients that process one sale per month or 10,000 sales per month, be the hero and help them supercharge their revenue with Jilt. Check them out at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. That's buildpodcast.net slash J-I-L-T. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Nancy Hildebrandt. We uh, got connected through the fellows at Beaver Builder. She's doing some work for them. So, uh, Nancy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Joe. Oh, awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate you coming on. And we're going to be talking about something that is perhaps a bane in the uh, side of many or a thorn in the side of many developers, (laughs) uh, which is documentation. But before we get into that, why don't you uh, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: So I am. I come actually from a technical writing information architect background, and I retired from high tech. I, I used to work for the Java programming group at Oracle, and I retired uh, a couple of years ago, and I started a something I'd been doing as a hobby since about 1997, which is building websites for very small business people. So in the course of doing this, I discovered Beaver Builder, and that's the story I'm going to tell today is how I came to write the knowledge base for Beaver Builder.
0: Awesome. So you worked for Oracle back when like Java was like first created essentially, right? Like 1995? I, well, I,
1: I was working for Sun actually and then Sun got acquired by Oracle and so yeah, that's how I came to work for Oracle.
0: Nice, very nice. That's pretty great. So you have a uh, a pretty strong background in like the the uh, like a monolith in the tech field.
1: Uh, yeah, information architecture is really about how it's like one step higher than technical writing. So it's about the best way to structure documentation and then what tools are, are best for presenting your your
0: your documentation. Absolutely. So do you think that your perspective, like working, first of all, in information architecture, second of all, for a company like Sun has brought like a very unique perspective to the WordPress space, which is mostly like open source, startup. Kind of uh, like a startupy kind of feel, you know?
1: Yeah, well, Java is actually open source, so and they operate under a GPL two license. So I'm I was familiar with the license already, and so you know the the WordPress model of open source is not new to me. And then, of course, with my with my tech writers bent, I do tend to evaluate uh, products in terms of how much support I'm going to get with their documentation.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so my last question about kind of your intro is do you, I I don't want to lead you to the answer that I expect you're going to give, but what, how do you feel (laughs) the state of documentation is just kind of like in, in the WordPress space, maybe in the, the freelance space and the small business space uh, with the tools that you use?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there are two sides to it. One is that most, most of the products in the WordPress space are done by fairly small companies who can't really afford a big documentation effort. And so the developers tend to write it themselves You know, some are more interested in it, some are less interested in it, Uh, some know more about it, some know less. On the other side of the coin, if you know the famous acronym RTFM, read the effing manual. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there, I mean, documentation should be a last resort. If your product were perfectly designed from usability standpoint, you wouldn't need any documentation. It would just be apparent how to use it. But that's never the case. So documentation sort of fills in the gaps. And so when I write documentation, I expect that users will exploit just about every other resource before they'll finally resort to going and looking for some written help. And I, and I would like to talk about the difference between video help and, and written help. And I can do that later in the tips, if you like.
0: Yeah, that would be great when we talk about kind of like building documentation, because I know I do a lot of video work and written work. Yes. But uh, so I'd love to just kind of talk a little bit about that. But I love sure. what you said there. Documentation should be a last resort, right? When you buy a car, it's not like you read the manual before you drive it off the lot, right? You intuitively know how to drive the car.
1: Exactly. But if it comes time to change that flat tire, (laughs) you'd better have that manual in your glove box.
0: (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Very cool. I love that. So we're going to be talking about specifically building the knowledge base for Beaver Builder. So you mentioned that you used it for some of uh, your web design projects. But when you actually set out to build the knowledge base, what kind of research did you do as far as like, what you're going to cover, are you going to start from the very beginning or, or figuring out, like, what are the pain points for users?
1: Right. So Beaver Builder already had a knowledge base uh, when I started uh, using Beaver Builder myself as a tool. And it was a rather typical knowledge base. Well, it was probably better than most, and they, they probably had about 50 articles. They were written in, their Word, in a WordPress format, you know, on their site, probably as, you know, custom post types. And they were okay, but they were sort of a typical uh, developer's eye view of how to write a, how to write a, a helpful document. So, and my, my best analogy to that is I used to have a friend who was a 747 pilot. And he said, you know, as a pilot, we need to know like how to balance the fuel load because it's different when we're taking off and when we're cruising and when we're landing. And he said, you go to the Boeing manual and it's got a chapter on the primary fuel tank. And the secondary fuel tank. So you're getting all this conceptual knowledge that you really don't need. All you need to know is what you're doing at each stage stage of the flight. So it's similar to that. Documentation should be task-based. So you need to do the most important thing to do is a task analysis. What are your users trying to accomplish with your product? Then what you do is you just write a set of titles for articles that address each task. And there you've got your knowledge base and for anything that users would need to know conceptually that they don't have from that then you write a few conceptual articles for example we have an article on you know you can't you can't use page builder in beaver builder to build Archive, you know, archive documents, archive web pages. So a lot of our users don't know what an archive means and how that's different in WordPress. They don't have that much knowledge of WordPress. So then you need a conceptual article about, okay, what's an archive? Why is it different in gotcha. WordPress? That sort of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. But the main focus is on task based documentation. So once you figure out what your users want to do, it becomes very easy to write the articles that they need. And if you're not sure, you know, you can just talk to your support team. Or if you're the support team, you know what kinds of questions you're using, your users are asking. How do I do such and such? How do I do such and such? And you just address those questions that users have.
0: Man, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to reiterate what you just said again, which is documentation should be task based. Uh, I use the same exact wording uh, in my online courses, right? I say task based courses, because like you said, if you have a conceptual course, people aren't going to necessarily know exactly how to apply that knowledge. They want to know, I need to do X, how do I do X? Yes, exactly. So, and it's, it, I'm guessing, I don't have any data to back this up, but I'm guessing the, the sort of conceptual learning is is a function of how we've been taught for years, right? In, in the classroom, uh, the yes. flipped classroom is a thing now. But, uh, you know, even when I was going through school in the 90s, it was here is a concept. Here's how it works. Now here's homework on that concept. Yes, exactly. So,
1: yes, the manual is dead. <laughs> there are no <laughs> more manuals <laughs> and users want to get in and get out. So even within a task based topic, they need to be able to scan that topic and get just the information they need.
0: Right. Absolutely. Which is uh, probably why, like, YouTube tutorials on how to do, like, home improvement is so popular right like uh yes yes yeah man that is that's fantastic it's so it's so cool to hear you say that too because um you know it, it it's uh as an educator i found that to be really important and i'm glad that it's starting to be integrated into you know like formal Documentation, right? Like real documentation.
1: Yes. And by the way, documentation has a bad name from a long history of bad documentation. And so the documentation people, the tech writers, have been looking for other words for documentation for a long time. So help, online help also has a bad name because online help has been very poor in the past. So they've tried user assistance and now Beaver Builder's got a knowledge base. No matter what you call it, people will use it as a last resort. So, you know, you can pick the term you want. I, I'm, I'll i be talking about documentation just to differentiate written help from video help and other kinds of help. But it doesn't imply a manual. It just implies something that's written down.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and and that makes sense. It's, it's so funny that you mentioned names. Uh, when I was in IT at the University of Scranton, you know, I... I... Worked in an area that was like level three kind of support. I was a programmer, but our first line of support was the technology support center, which had just been rebranded from the help desk. And they rebranded probably because help desk got a bad name, but I, I uh, are about a bad rep. <laughs> And uh, I I remember I referred to them as the help desk one time, and one of the managers there got really <laughs> mad at me. He was like, "We're not the help desk." I'm like, "Oh, so you don't help people?" Like, <laughs> so it's just funny that to, to hear that, you know. Yes. Yes. Cer- certain terms come with a little bit of baggage. So you're right. Uh. <laughs> so. You know, the, the question I usually ask after this is is revolves around talking to other people kind of like in a mastermind setting. In, in your case, you mentioned talking to support folks and, and customers and things like that. But how helpful do you find those conversations with people when you're building documentation?
1: Extremely helpful. And one of the wonderful things about documentation these days is we used to write documentation in a black hole. You know, we'd imagine the customer, we might do a couple of user studies, but we'd imagine a customer and then we'd write for that imaginary customer and then we'd never get any feedback about it. But now with social media, I mean, Beaver Builder's Facebook page has over 10,000 members at the moment. So I get immediate feedback on what I write. I can say, hey, I put this new article out there. What do you think? And they, you know, they tell me. And, or they say, I searched for this in the knowledge base, but I couldn't find it. And I say, well, what'd you search on? And then I can add that search term and so on. So that kind of immediate feedback where I can keep tweaking and fine tuning the documentation is invaluable.
0: Man, that's, so uh, again, that's another great point, right? Because I mean, people building software today probably don't have a really good perspective on what it was like doing things uh, like cut off from the actual user, right? The people that you were aiming to help. Yes. But, you know, we when I was in grad school, we kind of talked about like user stories and we would invent these users, but they were still just inventions. Right. Like we never we never got to the point of talking to actual users.
1: Exactly. Because that's time consuming and costly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then
1: and then I also interact with the the support team a lot at Beaver Builder. They're they're great because they come they're very interactive and they come to me and say, "Hey, I'm getting a lot of requests for, you know, this particular problem. How about if we write something about this and I can just point them to it in the knowledge base?" So, then I mean, that's when documentation really starts to make you money. When you start being able to reduce your support costs because people are saving time by pointing people out you know, to the to the appropriate article in the knowledge base, then you then you're really saving something.
0: Yeah, that that's a, a fantastic point. You're essentially support for support, right? Because uh when when I talked to the guys at Give WP, they talked about how important their support team was for getting insight into customers, not just for the um for the help aspect of it, but for the new features aspect of it. But what you said is pardon the pun, right on the money. You're creating a knowledge base so that support people don't need to spend an hour researching a topic for somebody, right? They could just say, oh, this article does that.
1: And they don't have to keep writing the same answer over and over. And, you know, the more you write it, the more you tend to abbreviate it. And then you're leaving out steps that people might need to know. So, you know, then you're, then you've got the back and forth. Well, I didn't understand what you said about this. So this way they just say, oh, okay, here's your problem. Here's the article on it. Go do it. Done.
0: Man, that's great. That's I want to talk about that just a minute because the the kind of psychology of support I feel like I it's never come across my desk or come across this podcast. But you're right. If you do a task over and over and over again, you're probably going to take shortcuts here and there where you feel you can make them. But when it comes to support, it's it's not just you doing it over and over again. It's somebody that's seeing that problem for the first time. Yes. So you shouldn't you shouldn't take those shortcuts. I mean, going back to the classroom. That's why. The your math teacher would teach you the long way and then the short way, right? Yes. They wouldn't just teach you right. the short way.
1: Right. So that's the beauty of the task-based articles, that they're short, they're very specific, and hopefully, you know, support can use them and, and just, just as a pointer.
0: Yeah, that's and as you said, uh, a good knowledge base, good documentation will end up saving you money, especially if you have a support team where you need to, you know, you want to handle as many support requests as possible without cutting corners.
1: Yes. No, I I do. I mean, I do have some tips later on, if, uh, if we have time when we get to it about, um, you know, if you're very small, and you can't really afford documentation, what you can do so.
0: Oh, man, I love that. Well, let's, uh, (laughs) let's move on to the title question then. And then we can get into the tips, because that sounds amazing. And it sounds like it'll be really great for this audience in particular. But let's talk about uh, how did you build the knowledge base at Beaver Builder. And uh, I think we hinted at this a little bit from a from a conceptual point of view, but uh, the actually creating the documentation, what was that like?
1: Right. So the way we got into it is I saw a message from the Beaver Builder team on Facebook saying that they were hoping to beef up their knowledge base. And so I wrote them what's called a pain letter, where I said, okay, here's what's wrong with your knowledge base, and here's how I can make it better, and here are my credentials to prove that I know what I'm talking about. So they went for that. I wrote them a detailed project proposal where I told them exactly how I was going to make it better, and then they liked that. So I wrote a project plan that was a phased project plan so that, I think it was three phases, so that... You know, knowing that companies, you know, small companies don't have a lot of money to invest in documentation. I wanted something that at the end of each phase, if they felt that was sufficient, they could stop and they would have something that was working. So, you know, at the end of phase one, I said, okay, here's your initial, you know, what we agreed on. Do you want to continue? And they said, yes. So, you know, we just sort of, and now we're we're just sort of continuing on, <laughs> um, wow. you know, happy with each other at this point. But that, that was the way it was planned and how I got into it. And so when it just so happened that at that point, I mean, they were so ready to have a new knowledge base. And so we talked about tools and they had been trying to beef up the search on their current site. And they realized that they were just starting with this new tool for support called Help Scout. A lot of you are probably familiar with that. And Help Scout has an integrated docs knowledge base where it makes it very easy for support to find the topics and integrate the links into their support tickets. And it also sort of gives you an infrastructure because it has the whole setup for writing individual articles and then categorizing those into categories and collections and then you can it has a related articles area where you can put in related links to other topics and when if you change the titles of the topics or whatever all those links automatically adjust so that part and it has killer search so that part that aspect of it was really nice
0: wow so that sounds like a fantastic tool we'll dig into that in a minute but i love that you sent them a pain letter (laughs) <laughs> which, which basically, I mean, it tells them, right? I understand your problem, and I also know how I can fix your problem, right? Exactly. This is a
1: technique that I learned from job hunting, but it applies very well in other situations like freelancing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man, that's fantastic. And then Help Scout, uh, yeah, that has been mentioned on the show quite a bit. I've never actually used it. Uh, I probably will start using it this year as I grow my student base, but the integrated docs right so you mentioned earlier that beaver builder was had a bunch of articles essentially wordpress posts right like blog posts that Correct. served as the knowledge base yes and then you just mentioned a whole bunch of incredible tools in help scout for integrated documentation how helpful has that been to the support team
1: Well, you'd have to ask the support team. um, Mm -hmm. But it seems like it's very helpful. And I I love we we all interact on Slack, because we're all remote workers. And I, I love the interaction that I have with support where we talk a lot about problems they're having, I monitor the support channel to see what problems they're having and can write topics based on some of the questions that they're asking the developers and so on. So that that's a huge help. I it Seems, I mean, given that support will actually approach me and say, could we have an article on such and such makes me think that they are using these articles and do find it helpful.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And then the other thing that I have written in the notes here is, um, you can also see like the number of visits to each page. Yes. What pages are the most popular.
1: Yes. So that's another built-in feature of the Help Scout knowledge base is they have metrics. So you can see, you know, so I can tell you that when the first month we started, which I think was about a year and a half ago, with the new knowledge base, we had 400 visits that month. We're now having around 59,000 visits per month. And I can see... There's an average of two pages per visit, and I can see which pages are the most popular. I can see which search terms failed to help me beef up the search. I can add keywords that will improve the search uh, for those uh, fail terms and so on. so that aspect of it is also very helpful for tuning up the
0: knowledge base fantastic so you you notice that it's about two pages per visit or per visitor. Yes, do you find that a lot of people end up going to? let's say page A, and then page B, because they were looking for page B first, but ended up on page A somehow. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, that information is actually not available to me. Okay. So I don't know the reason why they looked at two pages. Mm-hmm. But I do know that the, the results list is 91% browsing and only about 9% search which is interesting because we do have this this uh, very good search. But as the knowledge base gets bigger and bigger, it does get harder to search. One thing that helps Scout, it would be really helpful if they had filters on the search where you could narrow it down to certain collections or certain categories and so on. You can't do that right now. So it may be that search is just getting difficult and people are Mm -hmm. choosing to browse instead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Perhaps they're just like I kind of think I know what I'm looking for, so I'm going to click through to the. Yeah, place. I mean, yeah. That's that's my behavior too. As as much as I know how to manipulate searches from like advanced uh, operators and stuff like that, I still choose to do the old browse, like click and browse. So oh, that's,
1: interesting. Yeah. So I spent I spent the first year trying to improve the search figure, and it just didn't
0: change. So now I'm trying to improve the browsing experience. Nice, nice. Well, we'll look. We'll look forward to that. And we have about ten minutes left. And so there's like two questions I usually ask. Right? Has the product gone through transformations? What are your plans for the future? Perhaps we can combine that into a short answer and then get to like the, the fun trade secrets question because you do have a, <laughs> a lot here from our conversation. Yeah. So, sound so good? well,
1: yeah. Just to just to answer your question very quickly. I follow Beaver. Beaver Builder has a strong product plan now and in the future. And I, I just follow their releases. And as you can see, I follow the metrics for the knowledge base. I try to tune it up that way and uh, follow support and follow Facebook, the Facebook crowd.
0: Nice. Very nice. So now we, we will get to the title question or the, my fa- <laughs> I should say, my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? You yes, have a lot. The, yeah. the trade
1: secrets. Yeah, I have many.
0: Yeah. So let's let's just kind of go through them because these are all fantastic.
1: Okay. So first of all, I know that a lot of people like uh, video tutorials and a lot of people say I've seen a lot of people say on Facebook, I don't read written documentation, I want video. So I will just say about that, that my own philosophy, we did a survey when I was in the Java programming group, Uh, we did a survey among the developer crowd, the Java developer crowd of, you know, do you prefer video tutorials to uh, written tutorials, or when do you prefer one over the other? And the, the information that we got back, and it seems so right that this is how this came to be, sort of my belief, is that they like video tutorials for introductory stuff. How do I get started? They really, you know, it really helps you get started. But once they're intermediate users, it's kind of a waste of time for them to sit through a whole video because they're locked into that timing in the video. What they really want is just get in and get out with the information that they need. So what what I like to try to do is to have video tutorials cover the basic topics as well as documentation. So whichever people prefer. Some people don't like videos. Some people will only watch videos. So have 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 both for the most basic topics of getting started and then for and then keep the written docs for the more advanced topics
0: Gotcha. So that's that's really interesting. Do you think that at the intermediate level like shorter shorter or indexed videos might be helpful? So like you have a we'll have an advanced video uh that yeah. we break down into timestamps or something like that so that yeah. they can kind yes. of read and jump to that point.
1: That's possible, but uh, one of the problems with video is that you, it, you know, if your product changes, if your UI changes, you then have to redo a video and that's costly. Right. Videos are much more costly than written documentation. Um, the other thing is, and I have this point later, is there's an 80 20 rule in documentation where you Focus more on early beginner users, beginner to intermediate, and for more advanced users, they're going to find the answers that they need doing Google searches in forums and also, like, for example, Beaver Builder has a very large and enthusiastic community of people who love to produce videos on various you know, specific topics. So whatever our knowledge base doesn't cover, you can often find it elsewhere with a video search. But those people are not necessarily trained in doing very well thought out, well structured, you know, basic documentation. So that's really, I think, where our strength
0: should be. Gotcha. That and And, you know, to the same point, you can't exactly skim three minutes of a video, right? If it's three minutes, you have to... Exactly. Right. So on that same you know, you mentioned have the video, have the written documentation. Uh, I've seen this before. I've thought that I could do this before, but it ended up like making more work for myself. Uh, Have (laughs) the video, get the transcript and make the transcript, the written documentation. I thought that that would totally work for me, but it, it didn't work for me because my conversational cadence in a video is very different from something I would write out formally and instructions that I would want people to follow, do you find that that's the same it's the kind of the same That's very
1: interesting. So what you often see with you know non trained writers is they they tell the they might tell you how to do something, but they tell it like it's a story rather than as a, you know, a, like a numbered procedure. So you you tend to see a lot of phrases like, now you're going to want to go ahead and do this, mm-hmm. <laughs> or now you're going to want to do that. And oh, by the way, you should have set this up to be such and such before you started. So if you're skimming, you know, if you're scanning, trying to scan quickly a procedure to figure out what you need to do, that's not very helpful. If you have numbered procedures, first of all, it kind of forces you to put things in a time order you know, any prerequisites, you know, first do, you know, no, if you ever have to say, oh, by the way, it means you've got it ordered wrong. Mm-hmm. And with numbered procedures, you know, with people who are more advanced, and, and they can skip a lot of steps, they just say, oh, I don't, I know how to do that. I know how to do that. I know how to do that. And they can get to the meat of the what they're trying to do very quickly.
0: Nice, nice, very nice. That makes sense. I, I love that. Cool. So uh, we've talked about videos and written documentations. What uh? What other kind of trade secrets do you have for us? What's the next thing that you wanted to mention?
1: Right. So I'd say we talked. We touched on this a little, but if you're going to write the documentation yourself, the best thing you can do is to do that task analysis, where you're figuring out what your users want to do with your product. Then just take each of those questions that you figured out and write a title for that. And that that there's your knowledge base, right? You know, just write a every every title that you wrote for a question becomes an a topic and that topic is task based and it should be either procedural steps or it should be a code sample if you're writing for developers one of the two don't tell it like a story and then if there are any concepts that you th- in the process of writing that any concepts that you think need to be explained before your your uh, viewers can understand what you're talking about then you add a conceptual either a, a short conceptual background at the beginning of the topic or or a longer conceptual topic and that's your basic doc set and if you're if you're going to hire someone to do this first of all you know it's hard to hire a writer and just expect that they're going to take this sort of information architecture overview of your documentation so i think the best question to ask them is you know if they didn't come to you with a pain letter Ask them what's wrong with the current documentation and what would you propose doing to fix it? And how would, you, how would you do that? If they can't really come up with an answer or you can't really find a person like that, then I think the fallback would be you do the task analysis and come up with the questions and then you give them to the writer and say, here are the topics you should write about. And then the writer can do a better job just, you know, filling, filling in the content for each
0: topic. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense, right? You don't expect somebody on day one of a job to be able to do that job perfectly either. So you want to make sure that they have the right domain knowledge, the right background knowledge to properly teach. Because that's essentially what you're doing in documentation, right? You're teaching people how to use your
1: product. Right. So since you you have an education background and a training background, do you have any tips for documentation? I mean, you've had a lot mm. of experience with documentation too, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Flipping the script. <laughs> yeah. So I think I the thing that I say the most is is it really comes down to like empathy for the user, which is something I think a lot of developers have a hard time with based on my personal experience. And that empathy comes from the things that you talked about, right? Like talking to the users, talking to the support team, doing a task analysis. Because all of those things will help you understand where the user's head is at and then if you do that when you write your documentation you write your tutorials or you do your videos you're not going to you're going to use the right language right i see a lot of people say well you know just click posts add new using the word just or obviously or things like that kind of put down the user right they wouldn't be watching your video or reading your documentation if it was easy to them so you know my tips are more from a Like a kind of a feeling standpoint, right? You want to make sure that you're making the user feel comfortable. But everything that you said is so important in getting to that point because, uh, you know, I I know a lot of people say, "Oh, it's easy, just do this." If you're explaining the task to somebody, then it's not—it wasn't easy to them. Yeah, that's
1: (laughs) a really good point. Yeah, I like that.
0: (laughs) So, aside from that, I the thing that my process for writing documentation or videos is I will, uh, I will do something, and then I will write down exactly what I'm doing. Uh, so usually, what I end up doing for my video tutorials is I'll go through a task, I'll write down the steps, and then I'll undo it all so I can record the video tutorial.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, so that's it's, a good technique. Yeah, yeah, I like that. it's
0: a it's a lot of work, but like you said, making videos is pretty costly, right? Like if I was doing written documentation, I could take a screenshot before each step. With the video, it's a little bit different because you got to do the task and then undo it. So yeah,
1: cool. So my I, I guess my final thought is. I've seen cases where documentation makes the difference between whether people buy a product or not. I don't think that necessarily is, I mean, a deciding factor for the majority of people, but I do think it becomes very important in keeping your customers. If you have good support and good documentation, that's what's going to keep them loyal.
0: That is great. That is a good point to end on. I do have a few things left here, though, so maybe we'll do, uh, I'll <laughs> I'll end the episode here. And uh, Nancy, if you have the time, I'd love to keep recording and we can release that as kind of like a bonus part, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, sure. Cool. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was totally my pleasure. What a great conversation with Nancy. I strongly recommend everybody who creates a product or is thinking about creating a product. uh, Think about your documentation and your support. We've mentioned this on other episodes of the show. But good support documentation means a better and more efficient time for your support team. And thanks again to our sponsors. Make sure to check out Liquid Web for managed WordPress hosting. I use them on all of my important sites. They are that good. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash liquid, and they'll give you 50% off your first two months just for being a listener. If you want to save your client or yourself money through abandoned cart recovery check out jilt i've been using them for the past few months and i am a huge fan of their service and their support you can find them over at buildpodcast.net slash jilt for all of the show notes head over to howibuilt.it slash seven if you like the show head over to apple podcasts and leave us a rating and a review it helps people discover us and finally, as I teased earlier, uh, we do have a bonus episode with Nancy talking about hiring and how to get hired and things like that over on our Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash how I built it. You can pledge and support the show yourself for as little as one dollar a month. And until next time, get out there and build something.